And that dude came from Pittsburgh and his mom owned, from what I remember, his mom or somebody in his family owned a grocery store called Fry's. And I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but the reason I bring it up is I think that his family is somehow in the Kroger, um, Ralph's. There's like a whole bunch of nationwide grocery stores. And I think Fry's is one of them. And I'm wondering, was he part of the family that founded the company? And if so, is he completely filthy rich? Do you think? Uh, man, I do you understand what so. I just said? I, I do, but I don't okay. think he was involved with that family. That's a pretty, uh, I mean, that's a vast last name to have. That's a, yeah, it's it is. A, You're right. You're uh, right. But um, I, it's just a coincidence. Cause if you look on the back of your Ralph's card, there's a bunch of other businesses. And if you look, yeah. Fry's is one of those businesses. So we might've been around. I mean, we were around a bunch of rich people in Perrysburg, but who knows? But, but, but the rich, let's be really real, Matt. The rich kids weren't going to Woodlands. The rich, like the rich kids were going to the school that Devin went to, uh, I can't remember the name. There was there was uh Saint Rose. Woodlands. There was there was Fort Megs. There was uh Perf. Was it Perth? No. I can't remember. But like for it might be Fort Megs. It might be Fort Megs, man, because like that's where Devin went. And I remember like that is like those neighborhoods on the other side. To I, I feel like I would have went to the Woodlands because like that's where the black kids that were there at that time. That's where they went. Like I would look at those. You would have been there. Just based on where you lived, I think. Yeah, exactly. And and we were in like the working class, like everybody like has jobs here. Like there's like no, like nobody's wealthy here really like that. Like, but I remember on Devon's side of town and in those neighborhoods, big fucking like 17 room ass shit. Yeah, Yeah, dude. Yeah, they like their their dads were the execs and the presidents and shit of Owens Corning and all of those types of motherfucking things. I was like, that was the Illuminati. Is... So, so we lived on the bad side of the track, Steve. Is that what you're saying? I like it that way. I like <laughs> it that way, though. This is it's more relatable. These are the people who were like, OK, man, like we got here because of hard work. We're not like rich, rich, but we and but we're not in the hood. Yeah, we're not living in Toledo. Exactly. We're not. And the thing was, the people in Toledo, like my (laughs) friends, like when when I when I moved from Toledo, my friends thought we were like the Jeffersons moving. I'm like, motherfucker, like we we live in a decent house. Like you've been to my crib from back in the day. Like it is a decent house. But like, you know what I'm talking about? Devin's neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Like like there's a difference. There's a huge difference, man. And, And like I said, I respect that because that showed me 
that like, man, both my grandparents are working. They're working at GM. I see them working these long hours and like you can get like a decent living, like a decent, make a decent life for yourself and your children or grandchildren. If at least you do hard work. Um, but I, I try to learn some lessons when I would kick it with Devin, like, dang, how do I get to this though? Like, oh, I, yeah. you know, I respect what my grandparents are doing, but man, how can I get to that? Like, cause th th that was new to me. None of my friends had that kind of bread at that kind of house before. I mean, I think I knew one kid cause I'm mean, where I came from in Pennsylvania was so small that the, where we lived was like the, the spots in Pennsylvania and Huntington, Pennsylvania, the kind of places we were living in Perrysburg, that was like paradise. <clears throat> yeah. But I mean, I remember going to graduation parties, you know, <clears throat> when we graduated high school and some of those kids, it was like, holy yeah. fucking shit. I remember, yeah. man, I don't want to use his government name. Do you remember a kid named AJ in our group, in our yeah, class? Yeah, yeah. Really nice dude. And he was in band. Shout out AJ. I'm not going to use your last name, but you're a dope dude. Hope everything's going good. He had, I think it was a graduation party, but yeah. this motherfucker had a tent. He had catering. His house was like a mansion. I walked out because I only knew that guy at school. I'd never like hung out with him. And it was wild yeah. to go to some of those people's houses because it was like, holy fucking shit. Is there a butler house somewhere? Like, where's the yeah. Mercedes? The all like multiple Mercedes, all that shit. So yeah, it was uh, fucking wild, dude. He's yeah, and he's I think he's from that neighborhood. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a lot of people, uh Michelle, our friend Michelle, she was from that neighborhood too. Yeah, you're right. That area around Fort Meigs, that was the Illuminati yeah. money spot, you know. Yeah, that that blue blood shit. Yeah. Fucking Nantucket fucking but I, like for me it's like what were you gonna learn from the parents of those people because those like CEOs of Owens Illinois and stuff were very much like my dad where it's like you just go into an office um, and doing some office shit like there's really nothing to I, learn I mean, from people like that well it, you know what at least that experience because like I said I, none of my friends before like man my friends like were like raised like me like single parent or like raised by their grandparents living in an apartment or living in the house that's been in the family like grandma's yeah, house yeah. basically so that, yeah. that's what i was used to and then like shit, like the perrysburg shit, like i became friends with him probably my second year living in perrysburg it was like whoa this this is like bread 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 well shit. well steve we both got out of there we're moving on up you're a year oh, yeah. old. I mean, you're a year older. I, I don't I don't don't interrupt me because I, I just want to tell all of our listeners, Steve here, Steve here, this we just experienced a birthday, Steve. So happy birthday, my friend. Thank you, man. 38 special. Yeah, dude. It's you're looking great. We're doing great. So how do you feel as a 38 year old man, Steve? Is it everything you wanted it to be? Uh sure. <laughs> uh I, you know, I'm already 40. Um it's it's already like i feel like this is what 40 is going to be hopefully i still have the teeth i do have <laughs> right dude we're both fucking in the midst of that shit i'm, I'm telling you i just need like a good year and i'm gonna find some dentist that's like just knock them all out give me some veneers give me some tv teeth and i'll walk around looking like fucking you know rod roddy on fucking with some bright new looking, pearly whites dude looking like uncle denzel in those memes <laughs> but happy birthday man and uh congratulations also because yes. you and uh caleb canino released uh, an album rhyme scheme so 
Uh, I'm not fully through the listening. I was busy Friday, so that's not an excuse. Yeah. But everybody, listen to it. It's on Spotify. Rhyme Scheme. Steve, spell it out, please. R-Y-M-E-S-K-E-E-M. And that is Rhyme Scheme. You'll see a black and white image of myself and my partner in rhyme. Uh, pick that one because there's another rhyme scheme, uh, unfortunately spelled the same way, but if you look at the album art, it's fucking bland as fuck. It looks like propane, looks like goddamn, uh, yeah, yeah, man. And the guy is actually, he's been reaching out to us on our Facebook and we'll look at them shits and leave them on red because me, I was, I was like, hey bro, like, you want to address this? Cause like, I'm not really trying to fuck with it. It's like, so we just agreed to not even address it. It's like, hey, so you haven't have you read them because is he like hey you took my name or what is, like what is the deal here he does that that's not that the attitude but he is addressing it he's like hey obviously because we're seeing his name is rhyme scheme and he's like hey guys my name's rhyme scheme too just seeing what's up he's kind of doing it in a roundabout way what if his, like, what if his actual government name is rhyme scheme but he's like hey guys um come on i need this that's all i got well, hey our shit's on spotify so like i don't know man. I, i've been playing rhyme scheme stuff i don't know how this copyright shit works but i've been playing rhyme scheme shit on my podcast for like since 2019 um so if there's a way that that can be like copywritten or whatever what it is what it is man like our shit's better we, we haven't even say. played we haven't even played a spin of his shit because he's got like a little YouTube account. Like, man, he whack. We don't, I don't want to hear it. Don't care about it. it. Fucking sucks. Fucking blow. Like, stop reaching out to us, bro. <laughs> I didn't even know we get here. But like, yeah, man. We you see your shit. First. Hey, bootleg yeah. ass wish.com rhyme scheme. Stop. Fucking true value. Get in the zone. Fucking AutoZone ass fucking rhyme scheme. No, bro. If you listen to the real rhyme scheme, and like I said, and it's a black and white album card, album cover art. This is your. Yes. This is him. Like this version of Whitney Houston. That's the yeah. rhyme scheme we're talking about. Bootleg. Fucking man bootleg. Yes. <laughs> uh, right. But that's congratulations, man. That's dope. I appreciate yes. anybody who's willing to release art like that. And uh, salute to you guys. Congrats, dude got some bangers man please check it out yeah it's on spotify and everything else the government took his brain and placed it in the perfectly engineered body critics call now and again riveting the x-files meets the six million dollar man the most original new drama of the season now and again premiere cbs friday september 24th This is Steve G and Matt G with Happened in the 90s, a show where we talk about things that happened in the 90s. So get out your Energizer Bunnies and your King Griffey Juniors. Because <laughs> first things first, I pop up, freaks all the honeys, bunnies, playboy bunnies, those wanting money. Those are the ones I like because they don't get lathing but penetration unless it smells like sanitation. Yeah, I had to get some Biggie in there. Nice. Baby, baby. <laughs> Dude, what a show! What a list of shows we had this week. I mean, there was just too much this mm. week. I almost feel like yeah. we cheated the listeners because we just couldn't pick everything that was notable. 
Um, There's a lot of like iconic things <clears throat> on September 23rd in the 90s, man. Episode wise. And uh, what did we go with? We went with MacGyver and my goat sitcom of all time. I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said it because it was one of my notes. I, I'm willing to do a versus. I'm willing to do whatever competition we have to a bracket to prove that Martin, the best episode of Martin will beat any episode of any other sitcom, period. What? I, have I ever asked you what your favorite Martin is? I Man, I don't know if I could pick, but I have two that I can name right off the bat. <clears throat> the episode where Bruh Man steals his like CD disc man and he does yes, like the Nino Brown shit. The Nino Brown, yes, that's with hey, the fake yo. dog. And the episode where he finds out Pam and Tommy are dating and he freaks <gasps> the fuck out. <gasps> yeah. No! no! It's so good, dude. So those ones, but the one that we watched today, Steve, it's right up there too. So oh yeah, man. Anita Faker, Shatina Turner. Yes. Yeah. Also, this the episode that this t-shirt, this Witty Hutton t-shirt comes from when Martin loses his job and he's just trying to make money. I mean, that's a good, that's a classic. Oh my too. goodness. Whitney Hutton, yeah, man, and damn Gina. And like, I, what I love about this episode, it's it highlights the, the greatness, the comedic timing of Tashina Arnold and Tisha Campbell, man. Uh, this is why they are on my, my Mount Rushmore of comedic actresses. Um, and they're just the physical comedy. All my the, notes, the, 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 well, I digress like a motherfucker. <laughs> But in 1990, on September 23rd, to get a live debuts on Fox, uh, a 30-something guy still lives with his parents and works as a paper boy and tries to avoid growing up and being responsible at all costs. Uh, starring Chris Elliott. I remember watching this back in the day. Chris Elliott, boy. an unspoken hero of the 90s, but somebody that a lot of people probably just don't know about. Like he's been in a lot. He's written a lot. I mean, he was in something about Mary. He's been in a lot of like classic shit. Scary movie too. Cabin Boy. If you remember that uh, weird ass fucking movie, I do. Uh, the one of the worst seasons of SNL uh, in ninety four, ninety five, which we covered in our earlier episodes. I don't remember this show, but I mean, I'm sure it, it was probably had its moments. I, do you remember this at all? I do. Yeah, it, it, it aired on Fox and I believe they paired it up with uh, Married with Children and uh, uh, Herman's Head on Sundays. Yeah, Herman's Head, dude. We talked about yeah. that, too. What a, Fox was really trying to figure it out. They, they weren't willing. They didn't this, really have any limits at this point. The, the, you know, they take gambles and still to this day, from time to time, they 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 take gambles. Uh, but yeah, man, they were in their experimental phase. They they had rock. They had in living color. Married with children. Simpsons at this time. Herman's Head. Uh, Martin. Well, but. they made they had Martin, and they that's it. You've won the contest at this point. You've made the best show of all time. So good but job on that sink. 
On that same day on September 23rd, Dream On debuts on HBO. Martin Tupper is a book editor in Manhattan, recently divorced from Judith, a psychologist. Martin's life is filled with fantasies and sexual thoughts, many times coming in the form of black and white shots from old TV shows and movies. I looked this up and I just looked it up again. This shit, I have never even heard of this. Dream On? No, I have never heard of this shit. This was like softcore porn because it aired on HBO and yeah. you have this, I don't know, uh, true value Richard Gere motherfucker. He, <laughs> he always looks like, like Ryan just, Reynolds if he was just like, you know, he just was like a dad. Uh, you know, uh, fucking hometown hero Scott Bakula. Uh, he, it, 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 he was always getting tail. I, I remember every episode, he was always getting tail. Um, so I would watch him for that because he would be hot chicks and he would just be getting it in. Uh, Dude, Fred Willard was on this show. And I got to say, Fred Willard looking like a real man's man in this. He looks like Burt Reynolds in the pictures I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe you never heard of it, man. But, you know, <laughs> HBO wasn't as commonplace in the early 90s. I didn't have HBO, Steve. Like I said, when I was watching Skin Flicks, it was either like on a overnight at somebody's house that had Cinemax or I was watching, you know, I was just trying to make it work with some like R-rated movies from Video Connection at that point. So, hey, man, you got to work with what you got. You know, <laughs> sometimes it, it, you resort to uh, steer, Sears catalogs. Oh yeah, JC Penny, that that lingerie section. I mean, that was hot stuff back in the day. Oh yeah, fishnets. <laughs> oh yeah, we wear those fishnets. Mom, bitch. I have to figure out what I want for Christmas. Get out of here. <laughs> You've been sitting on that toilet for forty-five minutes. Why are you tying me? <laughs> what the fuck? You got a stopwatch? What the fuck? <laughs> Should you be watching the stories? <laughs> Matt, why are there we can't what happened to this fucking catalog like the pages are stuck together stevie <laughs> get off my back <laughs> ah, we're just trying to make it in this world you see <laughs> no but dream on i mean i wish i would have had access to what i guess is just some hot 90s fuck action i guess yeah I don't get why Basically. this guy was getting all the tail though. I don't. He just looks like that. a regular schmegular dude, man. He looks like a UPS driver. It's like if you mix Brian Callen in the '90s with like Craig T. Nelson, almost. I don't even know. It's like a weird mashup. Or something. Yeah, he's uh, Ben Siller meets Coach K. <laughs> <laughs> Well, shout out to fucking Dream On, because apparently they had at least two seasons of this shit, and this guy was getting laid on the raid, so <laughs> shout out. Yeah. Now, <laughs> um, yeah, I've never I, I've never seen that guy ever again since this shit. I don't know. I'm sure he's been in shit. He might be on some Troy McClure high. You might have seen me from this, but I I haven't. His name, his name's Denny Dillon, and I can't say. I mean, I don't. They didn't even put him on IMDb, probably. So Denny, Denny Dillon. Yeah. I feel like he says he introduces himself with these. Hi, I'm Denny Dillon. <laughs> hey, oh, you two shooters. <laughs> Double pistol. How? <laughs> I'm like Denny the Dillon. bartender from uh, the fucking Love Boat. Out of sight. Yeah, Denny. <laughs> Denny Dillon from Dream On. <laughs> 
Denny Dillon was probably on Love Boat. I'm gonna look it up, Steve. If Denny Dillon was on Love Boat, we are the we're. I mean, we're killing it right now. Uh, I hope. This is hope he's not on. Crack. I don't want to alarm you, but Denny Dillon's doing good in Hollywood. Okay, he's working right now, so we're idiots. Well, we're assholes. Well, I digress <laughs> like a motherfucker. <laughs> Sorry, Denny. Congrats, and congrats on getting all that premium tail back on the day. Back in the day, yeah. I mean. But in 1991, on September 23rd, MacGyver is airing the episode The Hood. Everybody's in the hood at this point. The boys are in the hood. Leprechaun's in the hood. Now MacGyver's in the hood. MacGyver didn't been everywhere. He didn't been in the rainforest, been in the army, been in the Sahara, been in Asia. And now he's in the hood. This ain't the hood, Steve. This is the this is Venice Beach hood. So. <laughs> But the the hood nonetheless. There's a black lady in it, so that's the hood. This is one of, first of all, Steve, I was like sitting there when we were picking episodes and I said, I want to watch MacGyver. I never watched it. It seems like a great concept. And I remember seeing clips of it, never watching it as a kid. And I wondered to myself now as a 38 year old man, why? Why didn't I ever really watch this show? And then when I watched the show, Steve, I figured out why. You want to know why? The implausibility. The shitty, like the most insane writing I've ever seen. And also when I saw that the episode was 40 minutes long and the, the obviously this was an hour long show on TV, my heart yeah. broke. Cause that's just way <laughs> too long. It's just. <laughs> I was like, why are we here? Like, half of this episode, everyone, is MacGyver being talked to with his, like, talking to his landlord at a new apartment. That's it. That's it. So, um, we didn't get any of the, here's a stick of gum. Here's a paper clip. Here's a fucking matchstick. And he creates, like, a missile that kills a, a helicopter. We got none of that basic we got a little of it but not much so i feel we got cheated but at the same time maybe it's good we saw this because this show is just a giant dumpster fire of a show (laughs) well i mean you you already know about the premise man he takes fucking toothpicks and uh in theory it should be the greatest show of all time you know if this was a 30 minute show it would have been so much better, but it's not. Well, that's um, MacGruber. Exactly. And what's hilarious is MacGruber really isn't that far off from what this show is. It's really not. You they, they they ramped it up like 15%, and that's what MacGruber yeah. is. Yeah. But this show starts, the best part about the show, the theme music. Steve can't yeah. even, this show is so bad, everyone. Steve's walked away. He's out of here. It's fucking, this He's show is stink. It fucking stuck though, man. It fucking, like, yeah, man. I, I gotta, I gotta get my vape to fucking smoke this fucking episode. Out, man. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it needs fogger. It needs to get fogged out. I mean, and when I heard the, and even when I saw the title of the episode, Steve, the hood. I said to myself, <laughs> "Oh boy, this is gonna be a good one." The hood, okay. Because, like you said, we had, we were in the hood all the time in the '90s, so I was looking forward to it. Turns out the hood is Abbott Kinney Boulevard on Venice Beach, which is the hipster hood. And I guess in the 90s, it was the hood. And um, MacGyver's moving into a new place. 
And first thing I got to say is we're seven seasons into MacGyver. He's killed Guatemalan insurgents with, you know, forks and knives off of a dinner table. He's, you know, saved Russia. He's done it all. And this guy still clip. has to rent. He still has to rent, Steve. It doesn't add up. What's going on? But like, anyway, that's sad. Like but that, you MacGyver, know, yeah. Moving on. He's moving into Venice Beach. It doesn't look like a very nice place, but he's moving into this apartment. And his landlord is this guy um, who I can't remember his name, but he looks like some sort of like Serbian porn producer when you walk up, you know? He looks like he's somebody in a bowling alley bathroom. That type of guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm watered down Mick Fleetwood. uh, His name... That's one of the first things that came to mind. He's like, man, you're you're the Fleetwood Mac, Fleetwood Whack, motherfucker. <laughs> Fleetwood Whack, dude, that's perfect. <laughs> Mel Krasny is his name, and he's showing MacGyver the neighborhood. And the neighborhood, if you've never lived in Los Angeles, one thing very accurate about this is the nightmare menagerie of people that live in this very close knit neighborhood that they're all in each other's business. Um, he meets the landlord. That guy's weird. He meets a woman we meet that's important to this episode, Kelly. Kelly's very, you know, much uh, the nightmare female neighbor that I had named Tanya, who speaks a mile a minute, is insane, and is very much like the cat person. You know, she she's got a million right. cats. You know, one of those people. She's having problems. Um, she even asked her the landlord for some fucking money, which weird, weird flex, but you know, never been in that position. But the guy even gives her some money because the neighborhood's that close, Steve. She offered to blow him. Yeah, there was even like a weird acknowledgement when the guy loaned her money because he was like, he did a weird nod where it was like, he's getting his dick sucked later. There's some agreement here, you know. This has happened before. Yeah. Freak Freakwood Mac. <laughs> you fucking Mel Krasny. <laughs> my my full name is Melbert G. Krasny, but you can call me Mel. <laughs> and Mel's showing MacGyver the fucking digs, you know. MacGyver's got a he's got a rider truck full of swag. He's got a motorcycle. He's got he's looking a lot also like Joey Lawrence. I think he stole Joey Lawrence's uh, wardrobe from Blossom. Because if you look behind him, it's exactly the same. That's definitely the shirt from the opening credits. And the vest, Steve. The black vest. The weird chain that you don't need. And the, I mean, the whole getup is very Joey Lawrence. So MacGyver's moving in. And, you know, this is not where I want to see MacGyver. I want to see him in the midst of a jungle, Steve. I want to see him in a helicopter, (laughs) you know, doing something. I don't want to see him driving a U-Haul truck to Venice Beach. Okay? I don't want that. But that's where we're at. But it's MacGyver. Like, he... You, you should be expecting, to, like, somewhere in this episode, something uh, mysterious, something mystical is going to happen. Because, <laughs> like, he's the only motherfucker not named Jesus that could turn water into wine, goddammit. It's MacGyver! He, I mean, this guy could, again, he's, he's a spy, I guess. I don't really know what you would call him. 
He's some kind of spy or special ops, something. He's MacGyver. Most interesting man in the world before the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> Basically. And if you got a clip, if you got a paper, he's like fucking Stephen Baldwin in Half Baked. If you got a paper clip, a watermelon, and like a PVC pipe, he'll make you a gravity bomb. Like this guy's good at a party as much as exactly. he's good in the jungles trying to annihilate some kind of an insurgency. Um, so all this is happening. It's very boring. Kelly on is trying to, this woman we meet, Kelly, um, is cute little, you know, LA white chick trying to make it, she's on her way to a job. And then we follow her to this job and this, what appears to be Texas oil billionaire, a very like Ted Turner-ish type dude almost, is Master getting his Colonel. nails done in his mansion. And that's what Kelly's job was. <laughs> yeah, but you can call him lie. <laughs> yeah, so lie. And uh, Kelly, they're having a little bit of fun in his office. He's getting his cuticles done getting a little treatment and uh you know he gets some visitors the one guy's name is bobby lee which is very weird because i'm a podcast fan so the whole time this guy's saying bobby lee bobby lee i'm like is bobby lee from mad tv about to show up in this episode he's not whoopsie <laughs> yeah um unfortunately that would have made the episode way better i wish he was in this um but this texas billionaire he has to get you know he wants a manicure Right before he's about, I guess he's about to have like a little bit of a business deal because these two like cowboy guys show up and, uh, you know, denim Bobby tuxedos. Lee. Bobby <laughs> Lee and Willie. Yeah, Bobby Lee and Willie. You, y'all go sit in the in the living room and have yourself a sweet tea while I finish up in here getting my manicure. <laughs> <laughs> and dude, I always say, don't trust a grown man named Willie. Yeah. <laughs> At some point in your life, you become Will or William. You don't shake hands with a motherfucker and look him in his eye if his name is Willie. That motherfucker does devious things and he touches on little children when no one's looking. Yeah, once you become Willie, it's always, then you have like a, an adjective before your or after your name. It's like, sweet Willie, slick Willie, something like that, where it's like, mm, that's like a jailhouse, you know, nickname. I don't like this. You did it, something. It, it, Willie will trade in your PS4 for copper wire. That motherfucker yeah. is deviant. That motherfucker is just low down, dirty bullshit. Willie. Uh, so Willie, the oil. This is not that Willie though. This is a this. This is one that. This is like the demonic Willie. He's done something to get all these billions, and um, you know these guys come in in denim tuxedos. They go out. But Bobby Lee, he takes a liking to Kelly. He's he's a little, he's got some very forward vibes to Kelly. He's he's catching some feelings already. Um, but nevertheless, he they go away. Um, the oil man pays Kelly like a hundred bucks for the manicure and sends her on the way. Um, Kelly forgets something. She leaves. And I think she forgets her sunglasses. And then she comes back and just lets herself in. And the oil man and these two guys are in the midst of this discussion. Um, turns out, like most billionaires, this billionaire's into some shit. Uh, they're doing some scam. I think it's related to pension funds. I don't know. They, yeah. Something's going on. It's some yeah. fucking rich white collar shit's going on. But somebody's caught on to this. So the oil man wants to have that guy killed. And these Mr. two Nesbitt. 
Nesbitt. Yeah, exactly. So Richard yeah. Nesbitt's on the hit list. And Bob Lee, he's a man for the job, baby. He's very much, good. you know, he's the hit man. I don't like the other guy. I don't even, what was his name? Bobby Lee and Willie. Willie. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Bobby Lee is the guy we need to worry about. But anyway, the whole time they're having this discussion, Kelly gets her glasses and then she sits like Bambi in like a deer in headlights watching these guys talk about killing men. And she's just in the doorway like... <laughs> just but listening. Very much not like hide behind yeah. the fucking corner, Kelly, you dumb fucking bitch. They see you. This is they aren't yeah. T Rexes from Jurassic Park. Like they can't see me if I don't move. No, but it's the, yeah, but it's it's the early '90s, and you can be in plain sight in an episode and not be seen. This is Kelly, Steve. <laughs> it's like, well, get out of the house. But they see her, and they literally she doesn't even try to like move. Fucking what's his face is like, how long have you been standing there, Kelly? Knowing goddamn well she's been standing there forever. Long and yeah. Long enough. I don't remember, like she leaves. Okay, that's what okay, that's what happens. So finally Kelly figures it out, starts running, and gets in like a, a fucking landscaping truck. She hops up, gets in the back of a but, landscaping so, truck so, and just so holds yeah, back. You, you, you're leaving out the broom, the the, the good old fashioned broom fucking uh, Adam West, Batman and Robin fucking trick. Oh, 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 they're following me. Oh, my God. Put a broom up through the fucking door handle. And gotcha. So they're locked inside the house from outside because you put a broom through the fucking door handle, the, the door knocker or some shit. Kelly's dude, Kelly's oh, got it, Steve. She's a manicurist. She's got the skills. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for a MacGyver episode, they really went Rocky and Bullwinkle. Like, we'll get, I'll get on that later, man. But yeah, uh, she she dodges the fucking Dukes of Hazard and gets the fuck out of there. But we we cut back to Mick Fleetwood and uh, in MacGyver, the Mac Man, and he gets some bad news on uh, Fleetwood on the phone and he finds out that Kelly is dead. So when they go to see Dr. Nate dog to go look at the body, uh, it's not Kelly Dobbs. Uh, it's actually Molly something. Yeah. And we we're back. We're going back and forth. So she runs, right. And they realize yeah. I got to kill. We have to kill this bitch. Mm -hmm. I think so. Doesn't uh, Bob and Lee hire his cousin, Will, in the that's the guy in the hotel room that's who we're talking about willie is that who you're saying is yeah, willie yeah that's, so that's he gives him a picture of that bitch and he's like or no he gives her, her them her business card today junior we cut back to macgyver mac man's like you said with the landlord and we hear kelly oh my god she's dead so we think yeah. willie killed this woman the manicurist they get there. It's not that woman, Steve, because turns out Kelly is actually Molly and Molly no. used somebody else's business card. She wasn't a manicurist. Wasn't that the case? No, her that her name is Kelly. And that's how Mick Fleetwood and MacGyver know her. But he's but she's telling the fucking Dukes of Hazard that she's Molly. 
and and Molly Densmore, her name is, uh, she's the one that gets murdered. And, and Molly Densmore is like a character actress. Um, so they're, they fucking Boss Hog and Luke and Duke, they eventually realize that like, oh, her name's really not Molly. She's really <laughs> Kelly. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I smoked a lot of weed before I watched this, which is why I actually laughed so much. But it did make that part of it confusing. So regardless... The woman that we, it, yeah. from the beginning, is not dead. Um, the psychotic redneck Willie, who just kills, he's he'll, he's there just to kill people. He killed the wrong woman. Um, and now the oil guy's pissed. And Bobby yeah. Lee is like, I got this. I got it all under control, dad, or he was whatever supposed to take is. care of it. In, he was supposed to take care of it in the first place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, Colonel Massa, Massa Colonel, he 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 was giving that job to Bobby Lee, and Bobby Lee was like, "Well, I'm just gonna pass it on to my cousin, sad ass silly gun, fucking." And then Willie over here, the last one on the TV in the hotel room, he fucking like so yeah, like he's trying to also pass the blame to Willie. He's like, but. But Massa Connor, he's like, this motherfucker, but like, no, it's your fault. Cause like, I gave you the job. <laughs> the fact that just calling this guy Massa Connor. Connor, Massa But uh, fortunately, Steve, Bobby Lee assures Massa Colonel, Colonel Massa, there ain't nothing I can't fix. There ain't no goddamn problem I can't fix. So I got this. I'm gonna I'm gonna kill Nesbitt and I'm gonna get that bitch. So just hold your horses, give me a couple of days, Bobby Lee on it. So okay, we got that happening. Yeah. MacGyver this whole time, he's just trying to move into his fucking apartment. If I'm MacGyver, I'm like, okay, Molly, yeah. Kelly, I don't give a fuck who's dead. I need right. to get this, my couch in this fucking apartment. This truck. It's I'm almost at the day. If I gotta if I go another hour, I gotta pay for another day, guy. You're costing me money at this point. I'm pissed. Um, but again, this is a nightmare neighborhood in LA because as much as he wants to move, all these batshit crazy neighbor people keep showing up like, oh my god, this and that. Hey MacGyver, Mama Lorraine shows up, Steve. Mama Lorraine, she's a neighborhood fun person to hang out with. And who's she? It's Miss Cleo's like understudy. Call, call me now. Mama Lorraine oh, shows up. Ross <laughs> Claude. I'd be like, you can keep, if I'm MacGyver at this point, I'm like, keep the deposit. I'm not moving into this place. I can't move in here. I'm a spy, goddammit. I'm the owner of your soul. <laughs> Mr. MacGyver, I think Bomba. But here's the thing, though, man. You can say what you want about MacGyver, but if MacGyver doesn't go to heaven, I feel like none of us have a shot because he always puts him puts others before himself. Just like you you touched on, man. Like the motherfucker's supposed to be moving in, and then all of a sudden his 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 uh, arm sleeve is just yanked either way. Like. Oh, well, I, I need you to save me from these fucking like tycoons over here. I need you well, like what, what happened to me moving in? Like you all ain't even left yet. Can somebody I, pick up a box? Like I'll save this bitch. Pick up the TV. Help me with this real quick. But he doesn't even flinch. That's what I'm saying, man. He's like I'm MacGyver. That's 
all right, bitch, this all right, what we what we gotta do? Let Damn, me roll man. up these like, sleeves. Let me roll up these MacGyver sleeves real quick. All right, Mama Lorraine, you had a dream. Okay. Um, that's weird. And then the guy they realize all this shit's happened where the wrong woman was killed. Molly's out there in danger. <clears throat> um, and the landlord calls the cops. I want a missing persons report on Kelly now. Yeah. I'm trying to piece it together because there was like so much going on, but she it's, it's yeah, it's a lot, man. Marijuana affects the memory. Yeah, here's the thing. Okay, okay. so Bobby Lee, oh, he, he like he overhears the conversation that Miss Cleo, Mama Lorraine, is having with the cops because the cops got a, a tip on on Kelly. And so she he's relaying that to her and she's writing it down. It's at theater one. And I know exactly where that is. And like right as she gets off the phone, she gets decked in the face by Dukes of Hazard. And then and he's like, oh, OK. And so he takes the note that she just wrote down and she and like now Kelly's at the theater. And so now he's got the drop on Kelly. He, he tracks her down and she's like linked up with MacGyver now. And Bobby Lee comes out of the woodwork with his pistol. And even though the man has a pistol, he, what does he do? He went, he goes Boris and Natasha with it and attaches him to this fucking like uh, Wiley Coyote like device. I'm just going to like put you in this fucking BDSM fucking chamber. <laughs> And well, that's I, what I'm, it is, Steve. They're in a theater. They're in like a, a theater you would go see Shakespeare at. And this theater yeah. has a torture rack that actually fucking works for some reason in this place. So Bobby Lee gets the drop on him. He shows up and he's kind of playing it that he's in love with Molly, but he doesn't want to hurt anybody, even though he is a hitman. And he says that I'm going to take Molly MacGyver, I'm just going to tie you up. I'm not going to shoot you. And I'm going to put you in this torture yeah. rack. And hey, it's all good. All of your shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I could totally end your shit right now with this device that I just lit off in this theater. Um, but because I'm a buffoon, an early 90s villain buffoon, um, I'm just going to bring attention to me being here and, and, and not like serve a purpose with this device that I have attached to my hip. So I'm just going to go fucking Acme products with it and just, ah, yes, I'm going to make the lights fall on you. And yeah. He played mousetrap that day and was like, you know what? That's a great idea. So yeah. basically ties MacGyver up. And while Molly thinks that everything's going to be fine, that this is all just, you know, he's tying him up. He sets like a match up like this, like Steve said, this trap where eventually a big ass heavy light's going to drop on MacGyver. They, Bobby Lee and Molly leave MacGyver to die. And of course now MacGyver's, MacGyver's in the zone. This is his, this is it, Steve. This is yeah, the he one don't know MacGyver. Who with. <laughs> yeah, like, you like, put, like this is right up his wheelhouse. And he like, was like, just, oh, this is it. Oh, he doesn't even panic. He's just like looking around a little bit. Finally, he fucking just uses, he uses a stick, a fucking fake skeleton and he pulls a lever and macgyver's himself out of the situation right at the last second of course he's he's worked with less yeah i mean this motherfucker he was sitting there laughing in his head he's like this is it this is disrespectful this motherfucker does not know this is a layup 
man, like this mother, like, oh, you about to leave with her? Okay, bro, okay, I'm about to die. Okay, this is like, oh, like, don't leave, oh man. Huh. This is me about to die, okay, all right. You, no, uh, no, don't leave me, please. And then he gets out, he gets out at the last second and right at that same time, uh, the neighborhood watch, wish.com version shows up with Mama Lorraine, the molester yeah. landlord, they're all there. And they're like, holy fuck, we gotta, like, I, like, to me, if I'm those neighborhood people, I'm like, this motherfucker is like a special, we got like the green beret of all green berets here. This is the best. So they, they're fine. They're linked up. Bobby Lee takes Molly back to the budgetel (laughs) with Willie. And uh, he's doing his uh, best to practice his cow poking or whatever the fuck. I'm a lasso to TV. <laughs> I'm a, I'm gonna get on ESPN free. They I'm a, I'm gonna be one of the top farmers. <laughs> Fucking But they track him down because like they they like kind of scope the spot and they they see this truck with rabbit with rabbit's foots and and horseshoes. Fucking lucky clovers, goddamn it. That's what she said like so like through through that, through seeing the rabbit's foot, oh, this is a mystical car or some shit. They they find out where Willie is fucking real life Dale Gribble. And he's got he's got Kelly. And Bobby Lee is left also. So Bobby Lee it's like very much remember yeah. in Dust Till Dawn when George Clooney leaves the bank teller with Quentin Tarantino, and it's like, so Willie's in this hotel room with sexy ass molly and molly's popping off at the mouth and that's like now it's becoming like he's about to kill this bitch he was supposed to just he was supposed to babysit but he's about to just straight robert de niro this motherfucker from jackie brown to just shoot the bitch so about to to do some murder sex i want to fuck mary kill (laughs) kelly I'm on last. I love that, Steve. That's what he was lasso. He's like, I'm on lasso that titty. No, yeah. I'm a, I'm gonna get that double D with this rope right here and just hog time me a couple of big old tea towels. <laughs> and then, like right before he's about to play the murder six, uh, Mama Lorraine comes into the room and posing as a maid. Uh, and <laughs> this is one of the most. If, if anything else, this is probably one of the most outlandish things. So, like, as uh, Miss Cleo comes in as, as Florence the maid, you know, she brings in the cart with the rags, the towels, the whole nine. And so Willie, he stands above the cart and he gets up kicked Streets of Rage style from Perfect. who else? Fucking MacGyver. I don't know if anyone checked the sports Out of the science. dirty laundry, dude. Out of the dirty laundry. Give me a hell yeah. Kick. Sean, Van Damme's never even done an up kick like this. Steven Seagal, Wesley Snipes, fucking Michael Jai White. Nobody a fucking up kick but MacGyver. I Richard tell you, Dean I, Anderson missile kicks. It's not. It's like a guile fucking sonic boom kick, dude. Out of laundry. I've, I've only seen this in Streets of Rage. <laughs> like, who else? But MacGyver, bro. If out of the laundry, fucking extra points for that. While Miss Cleo's like, I'm just trying to clean the place. Put the do not disturb sign on the door. He's like, nope, get. Yeah, 
Fucking, I, you're interrupting Willie's uh, fuck, marry, kill with Kelly. I'm just trying to fuck, marry, kill. Also, this guy has a gun out. Like, be like, get the fuck out of here. Don't, don't be like, what? What's going on here? I noticed that Bobby Lee and Willie are not good with guns. They should have chosen another profession. Is this uh, their like, first time? Did they lie on the resume and say, I'm a hitman? But they were like, this guy's never going to ask us to kill anybody. And then, you know, how can you fact check that, bro? They're not going to, they can't reach my employers. My employers aren't supposed to be reached. Yeah. This is the first indication that, that ta- they're not a good hitman tag team because Willie. He, he might be able to rope a titty, but he can't shoot a gun. He ain't even willing to use the gun, Steve. He's a pointer, but he's not a user. So he's got this gun. He gets mule kicked out of laundry. Uh, I don't know how it works. It's amazing. Richard Dean Anderson. Shout out to one of the greatest martial arts moves. I, fucking Walker, Texas Ranger never did any shit like this. So man, <clears throat> Willie's down. They got him. They have him uh, like tied up at this point, I think, right? Yeah. But he's not giving up the goods. He's not going to let anything go. And they're like, what are we going to do? But all of a sudden, Richard Dean Anderson, MacGyver, MacGyver's the mind, Steve. And he realizes, well, he's a little, he's into some uh, supernatural type thing. He has a lot of rabbit's feet. He has a rabbit's foot on his belt. So, Fucking MacGyver, MacGyver's the shit out of this situation, takes the rabbit's foot and is like, Off his waist, yeah. Mama Lorraine, do your thing. And she, she just starts black magic. This is it, but also I question this because now Mama Lorraine does like this whole voodoo act, right? She makes her eyes cloud over. Um, she does some crazy shit. And then that makes Willie spill the beans on what's going on and where all the what the deal is what the plan is and it and it also made me pre-gum mama lorraine the fact that your name is mama lorraine that has me feeling a certain way and then you got that long ass tongue and you're able to do that freaky shit for about 10 seconds uh by second three i was pretty like it's like hey mama lorraine can i call you mommy oh that's nasty oh my god steve that kind of you remember when marlon waynes has sex with the shy chick and uh don't be a menace to south central i think that's kind of her tongue was about that long it's like uh, yeah let me see let me see let me see your how, tongue, steve right. but if she doesn't have any real legit powers how'd she do the thing with her eyes <laughs> she's really quick at putting in context i've mastered that i've, okay. I've been i've been doing it since junior high hate it you know, he he's fooled by it. And, you know, she basically lets the cat out the bag like, this is my religion. This is what I just did with you was Sunday morning paper or some shit. What did she say? This is Saturday morning cartoon. But again, how the fuck did she do? I'd be like, if I was MacGyver, I'd be like, is there ghosts? Is that what's going yeah. on here? She's a pro and she finessed the fuck out of Willie. Fucking dumbass Willie. Silly Willie. And he eventually spills the beans and he gives the drop on where Bobby Lee is. And while they're searching for Bobby Lee, Billy Lee or Bobby Lee has the drop on Victor Nesbitt, uh, who's checking into the hotel. And Bobby Lee is posing as a maintenance man. And he follows Victor Nesbitt uh, to his room. And he's like climbing and uh, on the scaffold at this point. So while he's checking in on Victor Nesbitt, MacGyver 
has the drop on Bobby Lee. And, you know, here he's on his way to save the day. I mean, hey. And just <laughs> maybe he'll make things out of clay. What do you say? But anyway, um, <clears throat> here's Bobby Lee's plan, Steve. This is the stupidest fucking hitman plan that I've ever seen. Thank God there was a giant scaffolding that was set up in this hotel lobby anyway. Um, Bobby Lee got, what, just climbs up dressed as a janitor, which is just, it's coveralls. Yeah. It's not even like Come an on. outfit of all. He just went to a fucking uniform store, bought some coveralls, climbs a scaffold and sets up like a sniper perimeter with leaves at the top of a scaffolding. I, I, yeah, I'm going to shoot Victor Nesbitt and then I'm going to get down safely and then I'm going to just going to walk out. It's like and duck no hunting like to this guy. And he's got what appears to be a BB gun type setup. It doesn't look like a very high-powered rifle. Um, and he sets up. Good. But I it question, is there no, is there no um, employees at this hotel? Is there nobody that's like, Hey man, like what's that guy doing way up there? Yeah. What is that? Uh, <laughs> you don't have to be an employee. Uh, are there people with eyes that see this person uh, high up in the air with holding a gun? It's like, oh, <laughs> maybe just uh, it's spray paint. Maybe, yeah, he's painting. Yeah, like, oh, I guess, it, what's that laser? Okay, uh, I guess that's a jan it's a janitor, guys. He's got coveralls. There's no way he's up to anything bad. But anyway, that's his plan. So there's a giant, maybe, what, let's say, 40-foot scaffolding, yeah. uh, you know, multiple um, levels. I'd say at least three to four floors high. Um, he's up there. MacGyver's down below, and he starts, he grabs a, I believe, fire hose, and the MacGyver situation now is to use this fire hose. He ties it up around the base of the scaffolding, connects yeah. it to water, all while uh, dodging sniper shots from the worst hitman of all time. This guy could not hit anything. He couldn't hit the fucking pond next to MacGyver. This motherfucker sucks. So MacGyver sets up his fire hose MacGyver thing turns on the water this whole time i mean nesbitt should have been dead 50 times if this guy's ever shot a gun but yeah that, he's missed 50 shots macgyver hits the water and the scaffolding falls this guy falls 60 feet probably in the air hits the ground he's fine he's he's a fucking buffoon <laughs> he, like he's so bad victor nesbitt isn't even privy to the whole situation. This motherfucker's checking <laughs> in to the hotel room. He goes in, like, you know, maybe brushes his fucking side, sides of his shit. Like, all right, I'm about to step back He out. was picking his teeth in a window, just get it like shots firing all around him. Nowhere near him, really, in no danger. You know, he's jellying a biscuit or whatever at the buffet, you know, he's doing it all. And then he just walks out. And like, uh, he, he's not even hip to the shit. You know, MacGyver's doing his MacGyver thing. But again, you said it, and I question whether Bobby Lee had ever actually killed anybody as a hitman. If he has done yeah. this before, I it must have been the most basic Bro. job of all time. Bro, they lied on that resume for real, dog. <laughs> they lied on that motherfucker. They ain't never going to check, man. I'm telling you. You yeah. sit in the fucking hotel. Just fucking 
fucking fuck with the gun. Do whatever weird shit you want to do. We'll just talk this guy into it. Collect a check, and we're out of here. And I'm I'm gonna fuck that Molly chick, but no, MacGyver saves the day. Molly's alive. The neighborhood's just rejoicing. Yeah, man, just rejoicing. It's a it's one of those days, and MacGyver gets back. You know, he still has to move. <laughs> so he gets back and lo and behold, something's going on in his apartment, Steve. Um, the neighborhood is contributing to the artwork on MacGyver's new walls. And a familiar face has shown up uh, to do so. Who shows up at the end of this episode, Steve? SW1. Woo! Sean Waynes, dude. Who expected Sean Waynes in this? (laughs) I yeah, that caught me off guard because usually I I check. uh, You know, he he's like in the back of the cast because you know he's only in there for this scene, man. Uh, But yeah, man, it's like wow. And this is around the time Libby Guthrie was on the air. Oh yeah. Wayne's family making moves, making moves. And I forget his name in this, but he's a local artist and he's painted a very provocative mural on uh, MacGyver's, a very large mural as well. I mean, goddamn. Takes Uh, up the whole wall. (laughs) And MacGyver's not too thrilled with it either. I got to say, I wouldn't be too thrilled with it either. But hey, like you said, just like you said before, MacGyver, nicest guy in the world. He's like, you know what? Leave it. It's for the culture. Yeah. I Man, love it. If he ain't going to heaven, we ain't got a shot. He does it for people. I don't know what branch of the army or what branch of the military you're in, but thank God you're there because you're you're a true king. And I hope that the I I question why anybody wanted this to be rebooted, but I know they rebooted it as well. And I was shocked by that. Uh, if it ain't Richard Dean Anderson, I mean, why even bother? God. Rich- John Elway faced this coach four times, going two and two against him. But Elway had the greatest respect for this coach. He called him tough, smart, and demanding. He called him his mentor. He called him his hero. He also called him dad. Expect more from an original. Original Coors, brewed on Nile High. Original Coors, what'd you expect us to drink? On that same day, Mad About You debuts on NBC, and uh, it's been nominated. I remember seeing them at the Emmys all the time, fucking, uh, it might have won a couple, and I never really cared for Paul Reiser. Um, Only an alien. That's the only thing I ever liked him in. He was in My Two Dads. He was. It was him and that George Michael-looking motherfucker. But I mean, Helen Hunt back in the day, Steve? I I approve of that message. I but I never I this used to be on all the time and it went into syndication and they would play it all the time. Never I was never a fan of this. Sorry. Sorry anybody sorry all you mad about you fans, but yeah. uh, Paul Reiser's like a uh Seinfeld that couldn't to me. I mean he's like that uh I don't know. 
I'm not familiar with this shit completely, but I, I feel like he has that same kind of approach. Like he's just like an amalgamation. He's just like uh, he's like the stereotypical '90s like stand-up comedian, like nebbish. You know, you'd he'd have like yeah, New York sleeves on a fucking like suit jacket type thing, that type of thing. But he was good in he was good in the movie Alien. I know he was in that. I mean, he was a pretty good actor, yeah. but I just this was like one of those white shows like whitey whitington white you know it was just not i didn't enjoy this this was just boring middle-aged people sitcom that i just was not watching so yeah i was sad about it and <laughs> on september 23rd 1993 jag debuts on nbc and i don't know how it lasted this long it's about as bland as these goddamn graphics what is who did this a phs student uh, Jag was an NBC show. It was man. I always thought this was CBS, but it was boring. It like should a have CBS been a show. It, it fits. I mean, <clears throat> they, they basically like old people porn. for some reason. People, old people love watching those CBS like military shows or cop show like NCIS, SVU, Navy, NCIS, all that shit. Put Gary Sinise in a show and have him looking at documents. And old people are going to love that show, Steve. And, and this shit lasted, I want to say, for like 11 seasons. Jesus. Jag me Man. off. Man. <laughs> you know who probably wasn't watching Jag in 1993 on September 23rd, Matthew? Me. Or me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but in 1994, on September 23rd Shawshank Redemption premiered in theaters um yeah man it, it's one of the top 10 you could say of 90s films it's won tons of accolades and it's acclaimed it's on a lot of critics lists and Rolling Stone and Village Voice and what have you things of that nature I, this is one of my <clears throat> favorite movies. I don't watch it a lot. It's an intense movie, and but it's very good. I feel like this is when Morgan Freeman really started getting a lot of heat. I mean, I'm sure he was getting a lot of heat before, but I feel like this is really when the Morgan Freeman, you know, freight train started as far as him being a respected actor. Uh, I always was shocked. It's a Stephen King written story, and that always shocked me. Because this doesn't have a lot of the things you apply to what Stephen King I usually apply to, you know? It's not ghost shit. It's not some psycho demon clown. It's not any of that. It's just a really fucked up story about a guy going to jail and, like, getting out. Just that whole shit. It's, it's weird. For, for someone that has never read a Stephen King novel, I can still say that the man is probably the GOAT because... I've never read his, any of his stuff because that's not my style. I read more uh, nonfiction um, yeah. and, you know, bios. I get it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, for the, the fact that you said all of that, man, he's he's branched out in different ways, man. He's um, a fucking, if you do read, because I have. I used to have jobs. <clears throat> that job I had when we were in college where I worked at the gas station, I would just read books all the time. And I've read a lot of Stephen King over my life. I do like reading his books. I don't, yeah. I'm like you. I prefer to read when I do nonfiction shit. But him, 
that's a different story because he's no matter what you read uh he's got a fucking million books yeah 90 percent of them are fucking good as fuck i just now like this week we finished a series based off of another book that he wrote called the outsider and they made a hbo mini show series whatever you want to call it based off of that it's fucking fire um so the guy's just prolific he's talented and a crazy thing about him um a lot of the his early things that he wrote like carrie the shining um and uh cujo specifically he was so fucked up he doesn't even remember writing them he used to be a big drug addict and alcoholic and he tells stories about cujo specifically that he has no memory Mm. of writing that book at all Mm. wow he's that good he was just like in a blackout pumping out hits dude carrie the movie and book he threw that in the garbage and his wife was like you gotta sell this this is good and then that started his career and about morgan freeman uh you know this movie did bring him to the forefront as a leading man uh but in a coded way, you're saying this is when white people started fucking with Morgan Freeman. I mean, this is, I was just like, I don't feel like Morgan Freeman was at the top of any list where it was like, I need a old guy, Morgan, like Morgan Freeman's at the top of the list, but you're right. It's when white people would go see Morgan Freeman and were introduced to him because he was acting way before this, but. Yeah, and the same thing with, there's black Hollywood and then there's Hollywood Hollywood. Uh, one of the most famous modern examples to me is Kevin Hart. Uh, now, black folks knew about Kevin Hart from being on Def Jam, from being on Soul Plane and Paper Soldiers. Uh, and then it wasn't until Laugh at My Pain that like he made his stand-up special a theatrical release. And some of his most quotable stand-up moments are from that special. And then you even have white people saying, oh, you gonna learn today. <laughs> but like, that's when now he's on movies with the rock and like now he's not going to do no paper soldiers type shit unless he finally gets to the point where he's like i want to i want to slum it one and just do something different you know once he's out of this part of his the phase of his career you know but same thing with morgan freeman black folks know about him as uh principal joe clark from lean on me classic uh from the 80s uh and then like he was doing stuff before that like I, I still need to see the movie he did with uh, Clark Kent uh, when he's a pimp. He's like in the it's in the seventies and oh, wow. uh, who's the guy? Who, who's the guy that died? Um, oh, from the um, horse, Michael. No, no. Christopher Reeve. There you go. Yeah, man. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, he was doing like some shit since the seventies, man. And he was in an electric company. But yeah, man, when he did this shit. This is why I mean, this is a yeah, this is when I really remember him popping off. This movie, though, was I feel like that was kind of the case for everybody to a certain extent. Tim Robbins popped off before this, like he was in Jacob's Ladder and stuff like that. But this is when he these guys were all they won awards. They went on to like do a lot more dramatic shit. But this movie, dude, is it's fucking good everybody in it's good but this guy behind you i don't know his name but the guy that plays like the prison guard with the like the real fucking deep voice and shit yeah the, the asshole yeah the asshole guy that guy is 
I mean, he's in a lot of Stephen King movies. He's just like somebody that kind of is always in them. But he is a good villain. I that's what I always he remember is being such a fucking like badass villain. He's got the look and the voice. His voice is really intimidating too. But um, great shit. Uh, and uh, a lot of quotable shit too. People quote this movie a lot. And it's like widely, it's just weird like how wide this goes. Cause it's really a dark fucking movie. You know, there's a lot of fucked up shit in it, but your grandma will watch it. Your mom will watch it. You, we watched it when we were in, like college kids and like everybody was like, dude, Shawshank, this movie's the shit. It's just cause it's that fucking good. Andy Dufresne crawled through three miles of shit to get out of that time. Andy came to our cell block. Andy got raped (laughs) because he cannot fight. (laughs) Andy liked jelly and syrup. He had no choice. (laughs) Oh, but... This is a this is just a good ass movie, and it's probably you're right. It's definitely in the top ten of '90s movies. It might yeah. be in the top ten of movies in general. I don't know. It's hard to make depending a list on like who that. you ask. Yeah. yeah, depending on who you ask, for sure, man. Uh, but in 1995, September 23rd, Martin is airing the episode "Blow Baby Blow," season four. They're in, and when music producer Biggie Smalls, aka the Notorious B.I.G. himself, comes to town, everybody wants to be a star. <laughs> you want to be in pictures, kid? And this is in the thick of Mar. This is right in the what I call like <clears throat> it's the sweet spot of Martin. Like seasons three and four to me, I don't know. Those are my favorites. Maybe you two too, but um this is when Martin's he upgraded from WZUP. WZUP is not in the he's not a radio host anymore. He's on a TV yeah. producer at this point. Uh he's got a TV show, and uh right away he's like uh, he's working and then Biggie Small shows up out of nowhere because turns out these guys are old friends. Yeah, they go back, man. <laughs> and uh, they're chopping it up and uh, Biggie's like in town to find a backup singer for his tour. He's, so he's come to Detroit um, and, you know, trials and tribulations of being famous. He can't go anywhere without having millions of people just trying to get money, get a job off of him. Uh, he even was in a hotel and some woman came in while he was taking a shit trying to give him a fucking audition tape, Steve. Why you that bad? So he's talking to Martin about, you know, all this. And Martin's like, you know what, man? Fuck all that. You're going to come stay with me at my place. And in my head, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, Biggie Smalls at this point, rich as fuck. I'm not staying in some guy's apartment. And you rode solo like that? You're yeah, Biggie Smalls. It's 95. Uh, your biggest hits just came out over the summer. You fucking, you're global. Puffy ain't even there. Where's Puff at? Yeah, you're just pulling up in Detroit of all places. Solo dolo. Uh, and but don't nobody is- look like you in 95. <laughs> You got those shades on. You got the wind. He's like, this is, he ain't even high. He don't got even a hat on, Steve. It's like he came yeah. out of a Hype Williams video. You don't even, it's like, that's Biggie. That's definitely Biggie yeah, down that's the street. Biggie. I know that's him. I saw Biggie from 17 blocks away. <laughs> like, he's, he's this big black dude 
He's wearing like Lokes. Um, yeah, that was Christopher Wallace. And I'll tell you what, Steve, here's what I, what I was, I respect Biggie about. He's here, he's a celebrity, he's a star, very humble. He's worried, he's like, man, I don't wanna fuck anything up. You sure your wife is gonna be okay with this? Yeah. You know, I wouldn't expect a celebrity of this stature to be like this. I'd be like, all right, I'll come to your fucking house, whatever, like fuck it. But even he's like, I'll buy Gina dinner, I'll smooth all this over, my bad. Thanks for letting me sleep on your couch. Like, is this motherfucker's yeah, gonna sleep on a couch? There, there's no way, unless that's a fold out. And if that's a fold out, it's getting fucked up. Because look at this couch and look at that man. Look at the couch and look at the man. <laughs> he's on. He's just in a cover bed, like when you were a little kid, like on the floor. Yeah, he hey, don't man, have to make a pallet. I mean, let me get back on what we got shit. in the house and just say you up a bed on the floor, man. Sorry about this. <laughs> not even a fake mustache, Christopher. Not not a wig. Uh, you just out there, man. You out here. And uh, here's the thing, Steve. It's not like it's even an overnight thing. It's for a week. This motherfucker is about to sleep on a couch for a week. And this is Notorious B.I.G. at the height of his fame. So this man's humble. He's there. He's accepting of whatever he can get. And Martin's accommodating. So they show up to Martin's house. Gene is fresh off a nap. And uh, Martin's like, look, I got a homeboy here. He's going to be here for a week. And she's like, man, what the fuck? Rightfully so. I'd be pissed too. But then he's like, look who it is. And she's Gina's tune changes as soon as she sees who oh, the yeah. guest is. Man, you just can't invite anybody in there. Hey! <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody she's like, man, what you. the? Oh, hey, Biggie. What's up? Hey, Let me get you some scrims. <laughs> like... <laughs> But I mean, would, I would too. Fuck it. You got fucking Notorious B.I.G. over there. But here's the thing, Steve. All of a sudden, even Gina, as beautiful, talented as she is, she hears that Notorious B.I.G. is looking for a backup singer. And as we all know, Gina's a singer. So that starts getting little birdies chomping around in her head. And she starts acting a little fucking crazy. Yeah. Got the chops. And, and Big says that she could be the next Anita Baker. And, uh, you know, she's just flatter. She's turning red. And uh, in comes Tommy and Pam. And Martin introduces them as such. Hey, this is my best friend, Tommy. And that's man's best friend, Pam. And, oh, man, <laughs> one, one of the classic one-liners. And then Pam says, out of the way, ear, Jordan. <sighs> Leave the ears alone, Pam. She said, step to the rear. Step to the, I, I would have loved to step to her rear. Still. Steve. I got to say, she's one of my top five crushes of the 90s. Oh. My friend Sean oh. met her at like some sort of an event for the Screen Actors Guild because he was in it and took a picture with her and even told her that I had a huge crush on her. So oh, wow. I was that far away. I was one step of separation away from Pam. Yeah, And, and she's instantly like, what the fuck? It's Biggie Smalls. Like, you know, can you Tommy imagine? No yeah. <laughs> but here's not the thing, Steve. You don't want Pam finding this shit out because you don't want word getting out. And what does Pam do as soon as she leaves the apartment, Steve? Girl, don't tell nobody. <laughs> I'm going to talk with Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls? You don't know the song with Biggie Smalls? Man, you ain't tripping. 
You ain't going to talk with no Biggie Smalls. And then Buck Whitey, even Buck, when Buck Whitey finds out, oh man, all of Detroit gonna find out. He's he's the plug. Everybody know Buck Whitey. Buck Whitey. I never even I forgot about that character, but if Biggie's looking for a white rapper, Buck Whitey's ready to fill that role, Steve. But now all of Detroit knows that Biggie is at Martin's apartment. They have they he's been doxxed. To use some actual verbiage from now, Biggie's doxxed, and now everybody and their mama is showing up to give out a mixtape. Um Cole shows up and embarrasses himself, you know, as only Cole can. Yeah, I mean it, <laughs> these are literal tapes, guys. These are tapes. This is all 90s this shit is. Mm. And uh Pam shows up. I believe doesn't she show uh, who else shows up with the tapes? Well, well, Gina comes out in the sequin dress and she's like singing into the brush, into the uh to the broom and shit. Uh oh, and she's getting compliments. Oh, that's a fly dress. Oh, this is a little old thing. Uh, girl, I'm still making payments on this. Talking about little old thing. <laughs> and then in comes Pam with that donkey. And it, Notorious is like, all right, so like we're gonna do the auditions on your show. Okay, bet. So how are we gonna get through these people though? The incomes, ma'am, and she's just like, or Martin says, like, oh, we just saddle on a Pam. <laughs> the and best you love back and up. forth in sitcom history, Pam and Martin. That has to be it. That's it. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, Martin's gonna use his show as the audition. He's gonna get a good show, and Biggie's gonna be able to find his uh, new backup singer. All in one fucking, you're going to kill two birds with one stone. So they saddle up on Pam. (laughs) (laughs) Which, Steve, what would you give? I mean, what what are we talking here? Are we signing a blood oath, blood pack with the devil to have one night with Pam? Is that what it is? Is this one of those, like, Sophie's Choice things? I mean, she's she's my my hall pass. She is my hall pass. I, I'd give my soul to Mama Lorraine for five years. <laughs> it's in the cards, Steve. Oh, call me now, boy. <laughs> at this point, we also see there's a rift between Gina and Pam because they're competing for Biggie's, you know, a spotlight to shine. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, you're Anita Faker. Oh, you're phony Braxton. And then Martin's like, well, shit, if you had one more person, you'd be phony, phony, phony. <laughs> I see what you did. <laughs> Uh, yeah and then so we show up the to the auditions um there's some guy i mean these are like some gong show level auditions there's a guy juggling apples singing we'll be coming around the mountain the mountain when she comes we'll be coming around the mountain when she comes (laughs) and then mars like man get your ass off what's coming right about coming right about And then Pam shows up as Shantina Turner. Turner, yeah. <laughs> looking like she got electrocuted. When I think of a home. <laughs> and this but is she's dude, killing it though. If you it's, want to see like a why we're saying to Sheen Arnold's like the one of the top funny women of all time, this is it right here. She's dude. crushing it, man. Cause <laughs> like she's pulling off, it's very like cosplay Tina Turner. She's oh, yeah. pulling off the look. She's got the sound uh, and she's sexy as hell. And it's hilarious at the same time because she's doing like all of the uh, like facial like mannerisms and like just. <laughs> 
really selling it. Just really selling it, man. <laughs> yeah, she is killing, dude. But she, the, that's one of the things. They'll do this a few times on Martin where Pam and Gina sing together or they're, they're just singing. Yeah. And not only are they funny, but they can fucking sing. They really can fucking yeah. sing. Yeah. Uh, so Pam's killing it. But then right when she's like at the height of killing it, Gina has to interrupt. She fucking kicks yeah. in the door looking like fucking... <laughs> Anita Baker. <laughs> and, dude, and they have like a sing-off. They start singing up like against each You're other. You're the best to... man. <laughs> no, no. no, no. Uh, and they end up actually, you know, like basically getting into a fist fight. They rip off each other's wigs at a certain point, and it becomes a whole thing. It becomes a fiasco. Yeah. This is the fucking highlight for me, man. The, the pinnacle <laughs> is fucking like, they're, yeah, they're ripping each other's wigs off, you know, weaves and all of that, man. And it's fucking crazy, man. So the uh, show, it's off the rails. I mean, the audition, I, who knows? Who knows what mess. happens? They, we cut away and then we fade up and it's everybody uh, in Martin's crew just looking salty on the couch. Um, yeah. We find out it's a, basically a week's gone by um, yeah. and Martin himself is just, he's pissed. He's, these guys- Cole, are... <laughs> Cole, can you ask Gina to pass a remote? And she's like, baby, but it's it's been a week, okay? Cole, can you remind Gina that I don't care if it's been a whole week, I still ain't speaking to her or a little scoop ball head buddy next to her. And then Cole's <laughs> like, I'm I'm not talking to Gina or Pam. So Tommy tell her that she don't care if it's been a whole week. He, he still ain't talking to Gina or uh, what you call it? Scoop ball. Her little scoop ball head buddy. <laughs> and he's in, uh, Martin's like, Pam should have known better. I mean, she's been to obedience school. <laughs> Fucking zing, zing, zing. Uh, and then to make matters worse, just to rub salt in the wounds, uh, a commercial or the TV show pot like comes up and we see who actually won the backup singer job. And it's none Biggie other than the winner. Shanae herself. Oh my God. <laughs> like, and she even performed Gina's song. She performed the Anita Baker song. So it's just this is like i didn't remember this episode other than like it was the one biggie was in just yeah. another proof that this show is one of the best shows of all time because this shit was hilarious so it, we even finished the episode with him performing give me one more chance man that's like you know cherry on top right there and he did that a couple of times too i mean he had this he was one of those this was one of the shows where they featured a lot of like musicians I mean, Brian McKnight sang the song to Gina when him and Gina got engaged on the show. Like yeah. they had like a lot of famous like performances on it. So cool they episode, man. Cool to see Biggie. And I got to yeah. say, dude, Biggie, great in the show. He killed it. I mean, he had to play now, himself, but still he did good. I mean, it's 95 and Biggie's on top of the world, man. So like the fact that he was showing up, like we didn't care. Like, it was like, oh my God, he could have been a fucking astronaut for an episode. It's like, it's Biggie Smalls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it makes oh, no yeah, sense dude. that, like, we have uh, this rapper playing an astronaut in Detroit, but fuck it, it's Biggie Smalls. <laughs> That's where my head was. 
it was cool to watch everybody too when the, he was performing because you could see just like they just did shots of like Martin and the cast and crew like watching him perform yeah. and you could tell everybody was like holy shit like this is just get a little personal concert with Notorious B.I.G. It was dope. Uh, something else that I caught, like uh, Tommy had no idea who Biggie Smalls was. And he was like, I loved you in that video. You can't touch this. And Martin says, damn, that's MC Hammer. We had him on last year. And technically he's right because he was in that Renum Spoons episode where they're investing in a restaurant. And, uh, you know, they were trying to figure out what they were going to do. And Cole suggests, oh, random spoons. You give them the food for free, but they pay for the spoons. <laughs> and MC Hammer is at the end of that episode. Uh, so, yeah, man, that was like a little, uh, I don't know, Easter egg of a of a comment, man. But uh, cool. any callbacks, honorable mentions, takeaways, man? <laughs> well, you know, we kind of went over it because my call out was actually about Shawshank Redemption and how strangely enough when you think of all like the classic movies of the 90s this movie that was just a, like a it wasn't like an action movie it didn't have like a lot of exciting set pieces it was dark is one of the, like really the most memorable movies of the 90s and how stephen king to me um is so prolific and that really since we already covered it i don't want to go too much into it but one thing i do want to add that i had on my call outs um, since we're both creative people, uh, just a, a recommendation. Stephen King has a book about writing, the process of writing, called Stephen King on Writing. And it tells you, it's like sort of a textbook. It does have tips from him on what he does, like the process and his ideas on how to write. So you can yeah. get good tips from him. But it also is sort of semi-autobiographical. And it shares stories like that one I told you about his wife picking Carrie out of the trash or him yeah. being so blacked out that he didn't remember watch or writing Cujo. It's uh, again called Stephen King on writing. It's a very old book. It's been around for a while, but I have it as somebody who tries to write and wants to be a writer. Um, it's a really cool book. So recommendation there. Right what about you? Uh, man, a couple things. Uh, in 1998, News Radio is airing the episode Bill Moves On. And this is the episode where they address Phil Hartman's death. Uh, and his character obviously has to die away too. And uh, they, they said that the cast cried. I mean, obviously so. Uh, I've heard Joe Rogan. I, you know, people can say what they, I don't even really listen to Joe Rogan anymore, but he was on this and he shared stories yeah. in the past about this moment of time where Phil Hartman got killed by his wife if anybody doesn't know he got murdered like his wife it was a murder suicide so his wife killed him shot him and killed herself um and I think they were in the midst of a divorce it was tragic Phil Hartman is one of the funniest people of all time and definitely one of the funniest people in the 90s so sure. this show had to pick up the pieces um it's crazy they addressed it i don't re really remember it i wasn't really watching the show that much at this point um but i believe john lovitz they tried to sort of put him in the place that phil hartman was on the show after this um, uh john lovitz and then uh what wasn't the canadian guy from kids in the hall what or was he already on the show dave foley dave foley was he already he was on the show? like he was on the show the whole time he was like okay the, 
I don't know what his job title was, but he was on the show yeah. the whole time. But yeah, man, this was like a really crazy thing. And I remember this happening because it was, he was in a bad like marriage and it all sort yeah. of culminated in this. And I mean, it was very famous incident. It was very public and man, can you imagine like where Phil Hartman would be now, dude? It, he was so prolific then it, it, you can only imagine, but news radio i actually like the show i don't know if you ever watched it but i always thought it was kind of a funny show i i didn't at the time but like i i wish it was on because i do appreciate phil hartman and i appreciate good ensemble cast um yeah. i you know the, i i like joe rogan i like you know uh was it candy i can't call her full name but she was it was the sister on the show i always thought she was a hottie she was the, uh the same lady that was in cb4 yeah uh, i forget that lady's name but yeah she was on it um andy dick was on it joe rogan um dave foley the guy who uh the stapler guy from office space he's in everything that guy um okay. andy uh, andy dick yeah and then andy. um candy alexander that's her name it was a, it's a funny show you know it's one of those 90s sitcoms that sort of got overlooked there was like friends and shit was out at that time so it was sort of it lasted a while but it was one of those shows where i, I don't think a lot of people clocked it um yeah. funny and i mean especially when you don't get a lot of opportunity to see phil hartman and stuff now obviously he was hilarious in it he was sort of an aloof uh one of the djs on the radio network that was a, that show is about so um crazy though that what a crazy story you know that was a wild one no doubt uh Actually, I think that's all that I had. But uh, what's going on in Crushgasm? Uh, this week, I can actually tell you who she's going to have on. I believe the girl's name is Elishaba. Hold on one second. It is. I'm sorry. I have the note right here, Steve. I'm an idiot. I smoke too much pot. Uh, girl at the Rock shows. And it's going to be about emo crushes. So maybe something that we don't know a lot about so we could educate ourselves but as always tune in because these things are fucking great um she's about to have somebody that was on the show ink master very shortly i don't know if anybody nice. was ever uh, into that i used to love wa binge watching ink master but kendra's getting a lot of really cool guests and uh just you know shout out to her check out crushgasm every wednesday new episodes what about over the culture uh, man, this time we're talking about Goodfellas as it aired in 1990 on September 19th. Um, man, it's that, uh, that's my that's probably top two favorite movies of the 90s, Steve. Easily, easily. What's man, weird about that movie, too? Sorry to just sidetrack Sally you in front while you're plugging, but even that's another movie, violent lots of what i like a lot of naughty behavior everyone loves it my mom loves it my old dad loves it kendra loves it anybody it's a mob movie that everyone loves it's so good so um sorry sidetracks out so many quotables you're always late you're gonna be late for your own funeral fucking shine box all of it the light the leota laugh meme where he's like losing his shit <laughs> uh, i 
It's a toss up for me between that. Like I, that is my favorite, but casino, I don't know if how much you like that movie, but that I one's like right both. there, dude. That one's right there. Yeah. But again, start from the beginning. What's happening on over the culture, Steve? <laughs> well, I mean, now. yeah, that's the main thing. And then obviously I want to talk about Norm Macdonald. Um, man, uh, I, I didn't know he, he kept that within close quarters this whole time, man, uh, a legend in the game. And, uh, you know, now he's up there with Burt Reynolds and the real Alex Trebek now, um, you know, celebrity jeopardy in heaven, man, uh, dirty work, a nineties classic to me. It didn't get the shine that it deserved. Cause it, I released, I believe it was released as an independent flick, but you know, him already uh chris farley you know, r.i.p don rickles chris farley too uh, bob saget yeah, actually uh, even directed gary that. Coleman had a little cameo with, with the saget man uh gary coleman was in it and uh, adam sandler had it like ah he's burning burning <laughs> adam sandler plays satan i mean you know so shout out to norm mcdonald man uh you know one of the greats man canadians are cool matt i dude he's the to me he's the coolest i love norm mcdonald i love dirty work too are these a bunch of dead hookers in the trunk <laughs> i've never seen yeah. so many dead hookers in my life i mean that movie does not get enough credit no. um it's sad that he died man and it is crazy sometimes like he's one i didn't know had cancer chadwick boseman these people that are you know celebrities and you're like oh they must be on top of the world and they're dealing with something like that and it sucks, man. You know, I had cancer as somebody that had it. I always hate to hear when somebody dies of it. It's it's never cool. And when it's somebody as cool as fucking Norm Macdonald or I mean, fucking Chadwick Boseman for that matter, but definitely Norm Macdonald. It's like, fuck, man. And he was one of those people that sometimes he sort of went away. I think he sort of never censored himself and yeah. got in trouble sometimes. He might have said some things that people didn't like, especially more recently when people are getting more sensitive about everything but he to me was the greatest um weekend update host he's one of the funniest like one-liner guys and was always somebody who just generally speaking when you see him in an interview on howard stern or the tonight show or anything he was always just fucking funny as shit and uh personally for me if i'm sharing my favorite norm mcdonald thing it's him and billy madison He's not, you know, he has a very like Robert De Niro and Jackie Brown role in that where he's just sort of in the back, sort of high all the time, but yeah, very funny, very much just playing himself almost. And I, it's sad, man. I rest in peace, Norm Macdonald. You're a legend. Sure, man. Yeah, man. Uh, to one of the greats, bro. Um, please like, share, comment, subscribe. This is Steve G and Matt G. Call us now with happening in the 90s. 90s uh, uh, uh.